Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gone Bridge podcast. Today we have episode four on deck. I'm joined with Alex Clausen and Steve Brady. How are we doing today, guys? Doing fantastic. Awesome. Kind of a light news. Life, baby. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. Kind of a light news week again. Not a lot of stuff to talk about Red Sox-wise. A lot of rumors, however, which we'll be getting into. However, first, the coolest part of the week, not in American baseball, but in Korea, the KBO wrapped up. And their championship trophy was absolutely unbelievable. A three-foot sword. Um, doesn't even look like it should be legal. Uh, so Dude, yeah, I have to register. Yeah, un- unbelievable stuff. Uh, I think I think the, the MLB's got to implement something like that into the league. Yeah, it's like I like the uh, World Series trophy, but I don't know if you can really beat a four-foot-long sword or whatever, however long it is. I- I think it puts like absolutely any trophy I've ever seen to shame. Like, do you guys see when like they took it out of like the stand? It's like it's like in Greek mythology when they rip it out of the rock and Dude. they like fling it up. I mean, it was just it's there's nothing beating it. I mean, oh, America's got nothing on Korea when it comes to championship trophies. Pure electricity. I, I have one question for you guys: If the Red Sox ended up winning the World Series and that was their trophy, and they get in the locker room, start drinking some champagne. Who is who's the one guy you don't want that uh, trophy in the hands of? Oh, dude, it's Rafi. Obviously, that kid's twelve yeah. years old. Like he's gonna hit somebody with that thing. Like there's nobody that's gonna be safe if Devers has the sword in his hand. Not a chance. Not a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is Gardner? Who do I think? Um. Well, if Joe Kelly was still on the team, I would not trust that man with that thing. Well, he's a great um, A psychopath. Yeah, true. Uh, pe- uh, people who are still on the team, probably Chris Sale, honestly. He's yeah. also pretty crazy. Um, put that No in. jersey would be safe. No person would be safe with that. Um, yeah, a little champagne and, and a sword. Sounds like a crazy night. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, let's get into some Red Sox talk here. So the big news rumor of the week, Chris Bryant, Cubs superstar, 2016 World Series champion, rumored to be going to the Red Sox, kind of, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's dive into it. You guys got any takes on that? Clausen, you can start. I, I don't like it. Um, I think when you look at the roster, there's too many guys coming up in the corner infield spots that are supposed to be really good. Um, and Steve, you had sent us a like proposed trade or like a mock trade kind of thing earlier today. Um, and it was giving up Jay Groom. And I feel like that's one of those things that you don't want to, especially where pitching is so bad. You don't want to give up pitching to get more offense, and offense isn't really what they need. So, so what I've heard is they'd stick him in the outfield, and my fear would be it's Hanley Ramirez 2.0. Um, I know Chris Bryant's a lot better in the field than Hanley was, but my fear would be they'd stick him. They'd probably stick him in right because um, left is way too big of a learning curve. But um, my fear would that he'd just be like deer in the headlights out there, dropping balls, missing throws. Um, you know, not worth the price tag. Um, and where his contract's coming up, you know, it, it could just be a rental, um, you know, giving up the future for a guy that may just be there for a year. So I don't like it. Um, he can stay on the Cubs. He can go somewhere else. If he wants to sign with the Red Sox, that's fine. But I say don't, you know, risk the future for uh, a short term guy that may not work out. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I think that uh, Jay Groom's stock has dropped significantly since we drafted him. And I think that's mostly to do with how the Red Sox has been handling him. They're like changing his pitches, changing his um, primary pitch, all this stuff that uh, is just making him a lot worse. 
And as far as putting Chris Bryant in the outfield, uh, left or right, either way, I think it's going to be a tough learning curve considering that we have the hardest right field in the league to play in. It's basically another center fielder. Like you need, or you need another center fielder to defend all that ground. And I don't think you would do terrible in left after a little while. Like obviously with the green monster, there is a learning curve to it. You got to figure out how it bounces off, where the caroms are, all that stuff. But for the right price, I think Chris Bryant would be a welcome addition, but I don't think he's going to be the solution to the many problems that the Red Sox have currently. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's obviously just not a long-term solution. That's um, that's not even a question about it because he's only got one more year on his contract. And again, as Clawson said, he might just be a rental here. You don't know. Um, again, for the right price, I think I would do it. Uh, this mock trade with Jay Groom and uh, Bray and Bello, I would do it. But again, I'm with you, Clawson. I'm really – I'm not sold on his abilities to play left field. Um, a couple guys over the last decade who have gotten into left field and struggled, you know, obviously Hanley, Mike Cameron and Carl Crawford. Um, they've all been liabilities out there. And one place that I would put Bryant, which I've heard no talk of if we did get him, is um, first base. And I don't, I don't know why that hasn't kind of been brought up, but overall, I don't, I don't think it would be the best fit. I wouldn't be mad about it especially if we didn't give up a ton. But again, pitching should be our priority. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to give up Jay Groom, but like what if we gave up a guy like Bobby Dahlbach or something like that? Yeah, that that I don't think Han would do, but if he did do it, I don't think I could get behind that. It's fair. I, think I, would so I was thinking you could move guys around. Um, like if you shipped off, you know, one of those like corner infield prospects and then just moved, because I've heard of um, – rumors of them moving Devers over to first base. Cause he's really not that good at third. Um, like he's gotten better, but he's kind of, he's a little bit of a liability. So if you just kind of move Devers to first, you know, put Brian third and then maybe trade it off um, Dahlbeck and or Costas just to like get some more um, like pitching pieces or more prospects or something. I'd be okay with that. Uh, but I think trading away pitching is kind of the exact opposite of what they want to do. I'm in the party where I don't think Devers would really be that great at first. I think that um, if you look at his stats, his uh, range is actually pretty good at third base. Like he can get the balls that are uh, not routine, but how he handles fielding balls hit directly at him, I think is his actual issue. So first base being a position where balls are thrown directly at you constantly. I'm not sure if he is uh, has the skill set to do well there. Yeah, I agree. Um, around like, 2017 2018 um when devers came up and his defense was just like the worst in the league i always around this time i said you know 2020 2021 shift him to first and then obviously dahlbeck was one of their top prospects at the time i was like slide dahlbeck in at third and that's about now that's what we're looking at now um but after seeing raffi play at third for a while i would i would keep him there i'm fine keeping him there he's not he's not a complete liability again like he makes the plays he shouldn't make and then doesn't make the plays that he should make, which yeah, is exactly, um, which is all, all he has to fix is just make those routine plays. I don't know who they can get in there to help him out and coach him. I know they've been trying to work on that the last few years, but I think he'd be fine at third. And, um, you know, there's going to be a log jam here the next couple of years between, uh, you know, Devers is not, he's above all the rest, uh, but position wise between Dahlbeck, Chavis, Casas, and then, you know, maybe another 
first baseman. And ultimately, I think Chavis is probably going to be the odd man out. Kind of see him uh, sliding to like a, a Travis Shaw situation where they trade him out. But again, Chris Bryant would just add more confusion to that. I wouldn't be mad about it. I don't think he would be a great fit anywhere. But for the right cost, I say why not? Something else to throw out there for the, the Devers defense thing is that when Bogarts was coming up in the league as a young player, he was um, not a good defender at shortstop whatsoever. And at this point, you know, we gave him time to develop. We knew that his bat was worth keeping him in the lineup, similar to Devers. So now Bogarts is at least an average defender. Um, so hopefully, I mean, we can see a similar trend with Devers. Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox almost ruined him too. They uh, For most of that 2014 season, they – they would sick him at third and had Steven Drew at shortstop. And I remember he hit like 220 most of the year. He he hated playing third base. Um, thankfully, they changed that around. But, you know, the Red Sox have a history of moving guys around. And, you know, especially Mookie, that's one thing that did work out. You know, he was a second baseman coming up, shifted to center field, right field. Um, but there's a lot of history of guys moving around. And most of the time, I feel like it doesn't always work out. So hopefully, I, I would say just keep Devers at third for now. Agree. All right. Free against free agent talk. Yeah. Uh, there is actually one other speaking of outfielder, uh, left fielder, um, that I wanted to bring up with that hole is, um, Yasiel Puig. Uh, so he's been linked to the Red Sox, the Orioles and the Astros. I can't really see him going to the Astros. Um, so I would think that it's between the Red Sox and the Orioles. Um, I don't really know how to feel about this one. I I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Klaus, what do you think? Uh, sign me up. Um, if you can get him, cause he didn't play all of 2020. Um, you know, I think there was probably troubles with him signing a contract. Like him and teams were just a little too far off. So I think you could probably get him for a good price. And, you know, I think the best thing that the Red Sox can do is bridge the gap between what they have now and what they have coming up in the next couple of years. Um, so I don't know if they'd be able to slot him into center. Um, I know he mostly plays corner outfield, um, but I think he'd be a good addition um, just to throw him in. You know, he'll hit pretty well, you know, 270 maybe, um, get a couple home runs and, you know, make the plays in the field. So if they can get him, um, I honestly don't think there's much desire for anybody to go to Baltimore right now. Um, so if he's not going to Baltimore, he's not going to Houston. Um, I think that's a, that's a happy signing for me. Yeah, um, I'm not opposed to it, especially uh, – considering the fact that I think that JBJ is uh, packing his bags and is going to get out of Boston this offseason. I personally think JBJ is going to go to Houston, so that would probably block Puig from going there. Um, like you said, Clawson, for the right price, I would welcome him to just bridge the gap. We need outfielders. He is good enough for this team, especially in terms of talent. So, I mean, I'm not opposed to it for the right price. I will say I have never been the biggest fan of Puig. Um, I get why people love him. He's really exciting, but in my opinion, he's, I don't know. He's kind of a, a difference between like exciting and fun to watch and a little bit like arrogant. Um, but honestly for the Red Sox, I think he would be fine. Um, I know we talked about either last episode of the episode before about, uh, how, even if they're, it's not the Red Sox time to win now, they're going to need some pieces to, again, as we've said, bridge the gap to that next group of players who are going to lead them to a world series. Um, and Puig's a, Puig's a really good guy for that. Um, cause you know, you look at a guy like Marcelo Zuna who would probably, he would be better than Puig. I think we can all agree on that, but 
his role would be the same. You, you know, you're not signing him to um, take you to a World Series right now if you don't think you can do it. However, um, he's just going to be there to make them better. So I think Puig would be would be perfectly fine. He'd be rather inexpensive, probably just a one to two year deal. And again, he can DH if you need it. Um, obviously, he'll probably be playing in the outfield because uh, JD will be DHing. But you know, he's versatile, and I could see him getting like 120 games under his belt with the team. So I think it would be fine. Yeah, I would definitely rather Puig over Ozuna just because I don't think Ozuna fits our timeline, and especially because he's going to be looking for a big contract. It's his year. It's his age 28 season. So that's when guys are really looking to cash in. So just for that, I would take Puig or another just lower end guy that won't break the bank, take a two year deal. Yeah, I think Ozuna is probably going to look for like he's in the prime of his career now. He wants to set himself up so that, you know, when he maybe starts to turn down in a couple of years, he's still got a contract to lay back on. So I don't really think he's going to be looking for like a one year, two year deal. He's probably going to want to cash in on like four or five years. Um, you know, stay somewhere for the rest of the prime of his career um, where Puig would probably be more likely since he didn't play um, to take a, you know, one, two year prove it deal um, and then, you know, see if he can cash in in a couple years. So I think it, it, it definitely fits the Red Sox timeline and um, I think he'd be a good piece for the lineup. Yeah. I mean, Ozuna, Ozuna signed that prove it deal last year with Atlanta, that one year deal. And he absolutely proved it. Um, he kind of bounced back to his old Miami self and absolutely crushed the ball in Atlanta. So, yeah, I, I can see him going to a, a contender. Again, I don't know who. Um, there are a lot of teams out there right now who could be looking for an outfielder, and Ozuna is kind of like the rare case where I don't really hear him linked to a lot of teams. Maybe um, the White Sox, possibly the Mets, who knows. But, uh, yeah, I got to agree. I think Puig would be the right option there. And um, other than that, I don't really have too many other thoughts about it. We just need a, a barely above average outfielder who can fill in a spot for us even if we get Puig though I think we still need an additional outfielder do we not oh I agree with you although that the answer might be in the farm system I know there's talk about Jared Duran maybe coming up I'm still not completely uh yeah filled in on what he can do but who knows you know maybe he comes up and and develops nicely you never know the Red Sox seem to have a have a good time developing outfielders compared to pitchers so Got to trust them else, really. Um, speaking of pitchers, the one or couple of roster moves that the Red Sox made this week um, designated uh, Ryan Weber and Matt Hall for assignment and also sent Kyle Hart down to AAA on waivers to make room for a couple other guys in the 40-man roster, um, which included Jay Groom, Connor Siebold, and Brian Mata. Um, it's great. Get those those guys are just junk pieces. Get them out of here. Yeah. Um, obviously, this is to make make way for the Rule Five draft because Jay Groom was one guy who, if he wasn't on the forty man roster, he would have been eligible. So this is fine. You know, they were both hot garbage this year, so not much to say on that. Yeah, those are their most replaceable names I could have heard today. Yeah, ship them out. Get the young guys in. It's the yeah. right way to go. Yeah, I would also like to see Groom just go to the MLB next year, just start getting them reps. Even if he gets destroyed, like we're not going to be good anyway. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think if you, if you go and play MLB the show and you hit like the random name generator, like Matt Hall and Ryan Weber will be like, <laughs> the most generic names that come up. Like pretty sure those guys are just like generic creative players to the Red Sox, like found on the streets of Boston. But 
Yeah, Connor Siebold's another name I'm really excited for. They got him in the uh, – he was the other piece in the Workman and Hembray trade. Um, we'll see what he can do. He has some good upside. I don't think he's pitched higher than double, maybe only single A. Um, so, yeah, not not too many big names there that scream uh, scream exciting. But, yeah, Steve, if you want to hit off on some of the free agent rumor stuff, go, uh, go right ahead. Yeah, so I guess um, a good place to start would be the uh... – the Rays news because uh, not only did Charlie Morton just leave the Rays for uh, Atlanta, who now has like one of the best rotations in the league, but they're also considering about shipping out uh, Blake Snell. So the Rays were just in the World Series, and now it looks like they might be falling apart a little bit um, with that and some other stuff. Uh, as far as uh, I guess we'll go back to Charlie Morton. I think that's a great signing for the Braves. I think that like they're going to be in contention next year to uh, make it to the world series, maybe even win it all. Yeah, I think it's an awesome move. Um, I think the Braves over the last couple of years, I was kind of realizing this trend last night that they, you know, walk down their um, you know, Freeman Acuna and Albies, you know, all kind of walk down. They're good to go for a couple of years. And then they always bring in there. Um, and Charlie Morton's one of those guys that's going to go in and go and give you a you know, good bunch of innings. He's going to be a good number three, maybe number four starter. Um, and he's going to help you out, you know, coming to the playoffs. So I think it's a great move for the Braves. Um, I'm all for it. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely love the move. In fact, he's one of the guys I wanted the Red Sox to go after because um, although it probably would have only been a one-year deal, it would have been a really good signing and it would have helped them uh, get a good push to the playoffs this year. Um, there's a couple other guys the Red Sox have been linked to. I know Jay Happ, who I'm not too high on. I've got a list of a couple guys here I'll, who I'll go over later who um, I think would fit the bill nicely with the Red Sox. But yeah, going back to the Rays, they've kind of had this precedent the last couple of years where once a guy gets almost too good for their team, they like ship him out um, and fleece him, which is thankfully their old general manager is ours now. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really get why they'd be shopping Snell unless he was super unhappy because that core is still there. I know uh, losing Morton will hurt, but he was older and you know, they, they knew they weren't going to have him for that much longer. Yeah. I don't really get that move either. I think Blake Snell's, one of the premier pitchers in the league and you're the Rays, you're making a huge mistake if you're letting that guy go. Yeah. Especially on the the money side, like I can get, I would get if they were paying him, you know, $25 million a year and it was, you know, really strapping their, you know, whatever cash they had left, but they're only paying him like 10 million. And I think his contract extension only goes up to like 16 million, which you're going to get, if you sign a pitcher, I mean, Charlie Morton, who is not nearly as good as Blake Snell got signed for 15 million. So, um, I think for a money standpoint, it really doesn't make sense. And I think it's going to make him a lot more, you know, um, valuable on the trade market. So I don't know if that's why they're trying to cash in, like sell high, um, you know, kind of thing and move forward. But where they were just in the World Series, it, it kind of doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, the, th- the thing is, you're not going to get a, a really good starting pitcher for anything less than like $12 million these days if you want them for more than like one or two years. Uh, and Tampa has got that really strong farm system, but again, it's almost like they have like two to three really strong years and they'll kind of taper off a little bit. And then they come back. I mean, their farm system and development is 
the best in the majors. So if I was a race fan, I know I would, uh, I would trust the process, but when you're only two wins away from the world series, playing a, a loaded Dodgers team, you know, go out and spend an extra 15, $20 million, get that extra piece or two. That would, that would be uh, my viewpoint on the situation. Yeah. As long as we're talking about pitchers too. Um, one guy I'd like to see the Red Sox maybe take a look at uh, is Corey Kluber. I think he's been a really good pitcher for his entire career. And right now, as far as free agency goes, he's been flying under the radar pretty heavy. So I don't know what kind of contract he's looking for these days, but for the right price, like I keep saying, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah. The Red Sox, in my opinion, they're going to have to sign like two, two would probably be the magic number three, I think would be great too, but like two to three reliable starting pitchers. No one like, I'm not expecting them to go out and get any studs. There aren't really that many like crazy pitchers on the market this year anyway, besides um, like Bauer. But uh, one guy who I've, I've been high on for a while and I really want them to go after. And uh, he's got some ties with Bloom is uh, Jaco to You know, he used to play for the Rays, played for the giants. Uh, he's only 31. He's a good player. And he'd probably be getting a contract around 10 to $12 million. Give him like, three-ish years i would love to see that he'd be a good fit and um you know again just someone who could eat innings anything to get us through this next season yeah i think a guy like odorizzi and then i would be up for Corey kluber too um you know his last what two years in texas um he hasn't been great but he's been injured a lot so i think with you know texas not making the playoffs and then the whole you know extended off you know extended off season basically um, he's had plenty of time to rest up and get healthy. So I think he could be one of those guys that, you know, you would sign for pretty cheap and would end up, you know, outpacing what he's paid. So, um, I think, yeah, two of those guys on that same level, um, to get them a couple wins, just kind of clog inning. So they don't, um, dig too far into the bullpen or into the farm system, um, is exactly what they need. Yeah. A couple of their names I'd written down here. Uh, one of them has been linked to the Red Sox, Matt Shoemaker, uh, ex-Toronto Blue Jays player. Again, nothing who the casual fan would get excited over, but not a bad signing from uh, a team perspective. And then the three other names who I wrote down, uh, you know, there's no rumors around the Red Sox signing them. I just think they'd be good fits with the team. Uh, one of them was Anibal Sanchez on like a one-year contract, maybe a two-year contract. You know, he's always been uh, absolute nails. He's been a good pitcher for his whole career. I don't think he would be uh, that bad with the Red Sox. In fact, I think they may have had him at one point, maybe drafted him. Um, I'm not sure. I think he might have been involved in the Beckett trade, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'll have to look that up. Uh, and then another guy is Jose Quintana. Um, he's been highly touted for a while. He's never really lived up to the hype, but again, a nice lefty. He wouldn't be a bad piece. And uh, the other guy who would be a nice, a nice piece, very cheap. Um, Cause he's had some bad injury history the last couple of years is Tejon Walker. Um, so all guys who, again, they don't jump out at you when you sign them, but when, the, when you're plugging through the season, you're a little bit over 500, not having guys like that would hurt you. I actually would hate it if the Red Sox signed Quintana. I do not think he's, like, good. I think he was, like, it's always been, like, this guy's supposed to be good. Like, he's going to be good. I think his best year he ever had was, like, a 3-2 ERA, something like that. It was, like, Cubs fans got excited when they traded for him. 
And then they were like, oh, wait, this guy stinks. And I feel like that's going to be the same thing that happens with us. We're going to get him. We're going to be like, oh, our rotation might have a guy now that can uh, be the number two, maybe even the number one guy. And it's going to be like, oh, he actually stinks. So I'm not a huge fan of that idea. But even talking about this, like, it makes you wonder why the Red Sox aren't just going to re-sign Martin Perez or uh, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so actually looking uh, looking up Sanchez, he was signed by the Red Sox as an international free agent in 2001 and then was uh, traded at the end of the 2005 season with Hanley and two other prospects for uh, Beckett and Lowell and one other guy, so – I don't think we can complain about that one, but he, uh, he's I'll take, his, I'll take his value right there. You know, <laughs> that's all he needs to do for the Red Sox. Yeah. He's already done plenty. So Steve, I want to, I want to wrap it up back to um, Quintana for a second. I know you don't like him, but you know, yeah, exactly what you were saying. You know who it exactly reminded me of? Clay oh. Buckles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he comes in, you're all excited. He's supposed to be your one, your one, maybe your, your two, maybe your one. And he comes in and he just blows it up. Yeah, and it's like he has, he's got buckets. flashes of good stuff. Some of his pitches, you're like, oh, that that looks pretty nice right there. And then like two pitches later, uh, it's over the fence, 450 that way. Like that's how it usually like pans out with those kind of guys. Yeah, we do not need another like, Clay Buckholz right now. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I've never really been. I've never really been huge on him. Again, I've never really been like huge fans of any of these guys. It's just inning eaters. And when I look at Quintana, yeah. that's exactly what the Red Sox need. I mean. He only made uh, one start this past year. I don't know if he was hurt or if that was something to do with COVID. Um, but other than that, he's made at least um, 31 starts every year since 2013. Um, again, has he been the best pitcher in baseball? No. But is he above average? Yes. Uh, so I, I would take that. Um, going back to more free agents, uh Big player, apparently, that's going to be in the free agent uh, game this year is the New York Mets. Um, some rumors that they were going to go after two of the top four guys in free agency uh, have been, I think, pretty much confirmed. So we'll see how that pans out. Could get Real Muto, could get Bauer. I think those two guys probably helped them the most. I'd like to hear what you guys think. Again, I said uh, I said that first episode, Bauer to the Mets, I'm sticking by that. Anything else for them I think is bonus, but I think Bauer to the Mets is is uh, what I'm riding on this offseason. See, I think um, Real Muto to the Mets is probably more likely. The more that I've thought about the whole Trevor Bauer thing, the more I'm thinking he's going somewhere else. Um, I'd love to see him in an Angels uniform. I think he's like exactly what they need. Um, but I think Real Muto is probably more likely because he – uh, Philadelphia doesn't really seem like dead set on resigning him. Like, do you guys remember earlier in the season during like spring training part two, when like he was hitting like dingers off of like their whole rotation and Bryce Harper was like yelling up to the GM in the press box to like sign him or something. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, there's just no movement between the two sides. Um, so I could see that as him moving on. Um, and I think he would fit in. I think he'd slide in really well with the Mets. So uh, I think I'd pick Real Muto. If I was putting money on it, I'd put re- money on Real Muto over Bauer for the Mets. Uh, Mets also have a hole at second base now, so maybe DJ could slide in there. I don't know. Uh, don't know about that for real, but Cano just got suspended for the second time. 
Yeah, I want to talk about that too. Uh, I think Robinson Cano, I know we were having this heavy debate last week about the Hall of Fame and steroids use, steroid users, but um, I think he might have just blown his shot to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know. I think he he's probably going to miss out on 3,000 hits now in his career, which is a shame. Um, if he had just – if he had never gotten busted, Hall of Famer, definitely. Uh, yeah. I don't know if he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he would have gone in there eventually. Um, one of the best pure contact hitters in the last decade. And, you know, he gets busted again, full year suspension. I don't know how stupid you can be, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're not a bad player anymore. You're not what you used to be, but you're still getting like $27 million a year and you lose yeah. out. Forfeit the entirety of that year's yeah. contract. Yep. I don't really see him as a hall of famer, even if he didn't get busted the second time, maybe if he didn't get busted the first time, Hall of Famer. Second time, it's like, eh, we warned you. Do you really care that much? And the voters would see that and be like, this guy, get him out of here. Right. He's not He's not staying on the ballot. Well, that's the thing is that I know this might be a kind of a controversial take here, uh, but I think I've got a good point to it. If Bonds and Clemens do get in, they never technically were caught with steroids. We all knew they did it, but they were, they were never suspended for steroids. However, I feel like a guy like A-Rod, a guy like Cano, um, I'm trying to think, Ryan Braun, he's not a Hall of Famer, but again, he was suspended. Um, guys like that, when you when you know that they had a positive test, I think it's a lot harder to justify them being in the Hall rather than just having the, the rumors that they were, even though we know those are true. Um, yeah. So I think, I think Cano um, – I don't. I don't really know how much he's got left in the tank after this. It's kind of a, kind of a blow to his career. Yeah, I don't think there's there. I didn't seem like there was much left in the tank, anyways. Um, he's thirty eight and he's taking steroids. Then there clearly is just nothing left, and he's trying to sell. Like he's trying to make himself seem somewhat worth twenty four million dollars. Um, so I want to go back to the Hall of Fame thing. I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame after this. Um, and I think the biggest thing that the voters look for is like if you um if you were caught with steroids like mark mcguire sammy sosa um you know guys like that that were caught with it like clearly did it um maybe they don't really have a great chance but like guys like bonds and clemens where there's a pretty good consensus they did it but there's no like hard evidence to say that they did um i think that they can make a pass on that so um you know i think a guy like alex rodriguez just because he was um, one of the best players in baseball will probably make it in just because of how good he was. Um, but guys like Robinson Cano, um, I think their case is going to be hurt pretty bad um, by two steroid suspensions. I think some of the points we've made um, raise a good question about David Ortiz and his Hall of Fame uh, status because he was on that list and a lot of people have different opinions on him and whether or not I'm personally in the boat that I don't think he did steroids but a lot of people, I think, um, are on the other side of that line. So it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, voters handle him, especially because I think he's a really unique case. I agree. I So I guess he'll be on the ballot for 2022 because he retired in 2016. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he gets for his first vote. Obviously, it'll be over 10%. He'll be on the ballot. And I think for the next decade, he'll be one guy who's going to be debated, you know, whether he gets in or not. And I think the one thing that does hurt him is – that he was a DH. However, um, being a DH for that long and being that good at it, 
it's unheard of. I mean, he's got every, almost every record for the DH position. Um, and you see guys step into the role for two to three years and their numbers just, you know, fall off a cliff. So again, I'm not a voter. Obviously I would be voting for him. Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting things to, that will come out of the hall of fame vote this year, uh, with bonds and Clemens, um, that will ripple down for the next couple of years. Yeah, Klaus, you got anything to add about the David Ortiz thing? Um, I guess I, I mean, I guess I wasn't so like the the whole David Ortiz steroid thing wasn't like blown into context. Like he wasn't a huge steroid user, like Bonds or McGuire or Sosa or like Clemens. Like those guys were like clearly like had the primes of their careers defined by steroids and you know helped by steroids. The whole David Ortiz thing has kind of gone under the wire a little bit. Um, Maybe it was just long enough ago that I wasn't really like, you know, a super like invested Red Sox fan, you know, when he did them just to, or I guess allegedly did them um, to say that it affected like the prime of his career. But, you know, when you look at the whole span of his career, even in his last year, um, he was one of the best hitters in baseball. So I don't think it was one of those things that affected his career um, and really like defined his career. So um, I guess if, you know, if they want to, I think, I think this year's going to going to be a big um you know key just to see if they are letting steroid users in um but i don't think that he's going to have he probably won't be first ballot but i don't think it's going to affect his hall of fame um you know him getting in i think you got to look at the uh the two major things one is that he is widely regarded as the most clutch hitter of all time i think that's an intangible stat obviously but i think that's an opinion that most people uh, have and also you have to look at his years on the twins um, compared to when he allegedly was on the list for steroids because obviously he made his career in Boston wasn't a big player uh, on the twins at all so I think that's another thing that people use to uh, you know rally against him but I, I'm still like I said in the in the boat where I don't think that he actually ever took steroids yeah. I mean, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a big year for that. I I've always really enjoyed the hall of fame process with the MLB. It's, it's different from most other um, leagues and their processes. And it's very, um, I, I don't know. I just find it interesting how the voting works. Um, so we'll definitely see about that. Um, so yeah, we'll move into the closing thoughts here. Uh, I think Clawson, you said you had something uh, hot to talk about, right? So I, it's not really like current news. Um, so we talked like, two, three weeks ago about um, the Tony La Russa DUI. Um, and it was brought to my attention, the Miguel Cabrera, the story. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Uh, you called out there. Um, so the um, Tony La Russa DUI a couple of weeks ago, I guess yep. like a month ago now. You guys are familiar with that. Um, like 10 years ago, are you guys familiar with the Miguel Cabrera DUI story? No, I don't. Very vaguely. So it's it's crazy. I, I looked it up. It's nuts. So apparently he was at some bar in my... This was when he was on the Tigers. It was 2011, I think. So he was at some bar in my... He was at some like bar restaurant in Miami. And, and you know, he was drinking pretty heavily. And I guess the they tried to cut him off. And he got pretty mad. So, you know, he was like, you know, yelling with the manager. And then I guess he like walked over to some table and like threatened like random people like threatened to kill him or something and then the manager was like all right you got to go 
So he threatened to blow up the restaurant and then he left like clearly hammered. He drives home, his Range Rover SUV breaks down on the side of like side of the road. Um, I guess he was like running people off the road too. It was nuts. So police finally get him. He refuses the breathalyzer test. And, uh, He's like, and he pulled the famous line of, you know, the, do you know who I am? And from there, it just never goes well from there. So, you know, he's talking to this cop and they finally get him out and he's like on his knees and handcuffs. And like, there was this big scuffle, like they had to do something to him to get him down. And I guess the, you know, he said to the cop, like, you know, just effing shoot me, kill me. Um, So like, I, I, I don't know. And I guess like, you know, they finally got him in the car and like, got him to jail and I, the worst part i think is dave dombrowski had to go bail him out of jail at like two in the morning so like it, i was reading this whole thing i was like i can't believe this isn't like bigger news like dude how yeah. is this like how did this not get to me until now it must have just been like a product of its time like miguel cabrera is one of the biggest stars in baseball let's like try and save face here and get this under the rug as quick as possible but that's ridiculous and i am just honestly baffled by the fact that I was not aware of this prior to you mentioning it. Yeah, I exactly. I I think I vaguely have heard of him getting like a DUI and like some crazy backstory behind it, but I have never heard that like full story. And that's absolutely wild, especially because it was like the year before he had, uh, you know, he had the first AL Triple Crown in like forty years. Dude, um, like Ted Williams or something. Yeah, exactly. since uh, since uh, Yaz, right? Yaz, yeah, sixty-seven, yeah. maybe sixty something. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but the thought of Dombrowski going to a down to a jail in Miami at like three a.m. just bailing him out, like, all right, Miguel, let's go. Like, uh, absolutely <laughs> as hilarious, as it is. hilarious, kind of funny, hilarious image. Um, Steve, you got you got any closing thoughts? Uh, nothing too big. Red Sox, please sign a pitcher and at least one outfield. And if you don't, I'm going to be really sad. That's my closing thought. I got, I got one thing. Um, MLB hot stove sucks. Last couple of years, it has absolutely like, it's not, it's not what it used to be. Um, you know, and I think one thing to look at, which I, I wish the MLB was more like is the NBA where, you know, within two to three days, almost all the free agents are signed. Um, the MLB news cycle in the off season has gone so slow, so yeah. slow. Um, and I, it, it never used to be like that. I mean, the last couple of years with like Harper and Machado, not even signing for like February or March. I think, I think the MLB has got to do something about that. And I know it's not going to improve this year with, with COVID. And I'm sure there are some owners who don't want to spend money with the, you know, them not knowing what is even going to happen next season, but the MLB, if I'm the commissioner, I gotta, I, I want to set like set a date in place that players have to sign by or else like, I, I don't know. They've got to work something out because uh, one of the reasons why the NBA is so popular is because of that like day of free agency and like so much news, so much excitement and the MLB just, just drags on. Yeah. Something real quick. Remember when we signed JD Martinez, how long that took? Yeah. That took so long. People were like, you know what? I don't even want him anymore. It's like, yeah, he, he's not going to sign right away. Then like, forget that guy. Ridiculous. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, Klaus, I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add there. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say the thing about the NBA where like it kicks off. It usually doesn't like July or something, right? Like end of yeah. June, early July. And like, you know, there have been like a couple of, like last couple of years, I'll stay up until like midnight 
and like at 1201 like you just turn on espn it's like the reporter can't even catch up because there's like eight guys that have just like signed a contract like at exactly midnight um yep. so oh, i don't know if awesome. the um, so my guess is there's probably a lot more tampering in the nba like these guys are talking all the time or like the MLB, like I remember a couple of years ago, like David Ortiz was talking to Edwin Encarnacion or something after a game. And he was like, Hey, like, you know, your contract's coming up, like think about Boston. And there was like this huge, like <clears throat> backlash against David Ortiz for like tampering with yeah. them. Yeah. And like every other league does it all the time. Like there's these private conversations all the time. So I don't know if that's the big thing. Like, I don't know if they, I mean, they can't like allow tampering, but maybe just not being as strict about it. Um, yeah, because it seems like talks like actually don't start until free agency starts. Yep, I agree. They've they've got to do something to change that. Um, but anyways, again, uh, kind of going against my last point. Hopefully this week we'll uh, pick up news wise because it's been super slow, uh, especially on the Boston front. But um, yeah, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with episode five. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>